0: Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters.
1: Welcome to another edition of Leadership Matters, a show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll serve as the moderator of our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative. We work together to help organizations to strengthen and transform themselves, to help them to assure a more successful future. With me today as our guest panelist is my good friend, Andre Howard, And today, Andre and I are proud to have as our special guest, Kelly Martin, a research analyst at the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities. In this role, Kelly develops and executes evaluation plans and research projects for the Alliance. Kelly was the project manager and data analyst for the 2017 U.S. Human Services Workforce Trends and Compensation Study. She also supports strategic planning, content development, and collaboration opportunities related to two of the Alliance's key portfolios of work, advancing equity and educational success. Prior to joining the Alliance in 2016, Kelly was a researcher in the education and psychology departments at the University of Pittsburgh she holds a Master's Degree in Applied Developmental Psychology. Kelly, it's good to have you with us today.
2: It's good to be here, Tom. Thank you for having me.
1: You know, Kelly, it's possible that there's no topic of greater interest uh, to leaders in the human service field right now than the topics of recruitment, retention, turnover, and advancing equity. Now, the Human Service Workforce Trends and Compensation Study uh, It's going to prove a rich trove of information that leaders are going to want to access. Tell me, how did this study come about and how can leaders in the field access the results contained within this report?
2: Thanks, Tom. Yeah, uh, it's kind of an interesting story how this recent Workforce Trends study came about. Um, The Alliance has a long history of doing compensation studies. Um, It dates back um, many years. Um, We know HR professionals in the field are always seeking to benchmark their compensation data against similar positions in the field. Um, But we really, we looked at our theory of change, and we looked at what we know about best practices in recruitment and retention of of top talent, and we knew that it goes beyond compensation. We can't just look at the salary data. That's not what recruits and retains top talent to uh, human service uh, providers. So we said, how can we expand this compensation study into something a little bit more meaningful, a little bit more deep? Um, what, What stories can we tell? So we reached out to um, our member network. So um, we have a human resources APEX group, um, the Alliance Peer Exchange Group that we reached out to, to, really say, what questions should we be asking in this survey? What are the topics that you as HR stakeholders want to know about? Uh, what information can we gather from our network? Um, and that's really what inspired the new uh, workforce trends study that was um, put out for the first time in 2017. Um, and as the, as you were saying, the topics that we focused on, um, recruitment, retention, turnover, and advancing equity, the, the questions that we asked within each of those four topics were really co-created with the HR stakeholders in our network.
1: Fantastic. So how can leaders access the results contained in this report?
2: So, uh, folks can go to our website, alliance1.org, and you'll see on our website we have a tab that says resources. Um, And if you click on that tab, uh, you'll see the compensation study uh, as the drop-down option. You can click there and you can learn more information about what specifically is included in our compensation studies, um, the positions that we cover, uh, how we break out that data, um, and you can also get a little bit more information about uh, what specifically is covered in the Workforce Trends Report as well.
1: Outstanding. Well, what did the study find about the current recruitment and hiring practices in our field?
2: Uh, So we really opened up with some kind of basic and baseline questions. Um, So kind of one of the big first key takeaways for us, we found that less than a third of participating organizations uh, have a formal recruitment plan. So that was kind of an interesting baseline takeaway. And um, as a side note, over 200 organizations participated in this study to inform the report. So we do have a robust sample size of human service uh, nonprofit organizations. So less than a third of participating organizations have a formal recruitment plan. And for those that do have a formal recruitment plan, we were interested to find that some organizations are executing their recruitment plans with little to no budget. Mm -hmm. Um, And in terms of hiring practices, another key takeaway that we found was that only a quarter of responding organizations report that their organization recruits from their client population. Um, So we we kind of thought about some missed opportunities that might be associated with that, you know, for organizations that aren't uh, thinking about reaching out to their client population. Um, Another Mm -hmm. hiring trend that came up was that about half of organizations report offering referral bonuses. Um, So that was something we were curious to learn more about. Sure. Um, And then kind of another key takeaway that we found was that um, 62% of organizations reported that they are not currently implementing hiring practices or protocols that advance equity and diversity. So a majority of organizations are not um, using hiring practices to promote uh, equity.
1: Very good to know, very good to know. What did the study find about the current retention plans in our field?
2: So, again, kind of that baseline information that we were seeking to find out, you know, do these organizations have a formal retention plan? Um, And we found that two-thirds of participating organizations do not. So, again, the majority of participating organizations do not have a formal retention plan um and of those that do not we asked them you know is this hindering your organization's progress to some degree um and 80% of those respondents believe that the lack of a formal retention plan does hinder progress towards their goals um but many of them reported financial and administrative barriers to implementing a formal retention plan
1: mhm and did, also did you, found- you get oh. a f- go ahead please go ahead. i'm sorry
2: I was going to say the other finding that we were interested to note was that um, two-thirds of the participating organizations do report that they formally solicit employee feedback. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a promising finding. The majority are collecting employee feedback, but there's still room for growth in that, that third that are not currently collecting feedback from their employees.
1: Well, what are some of the things that the organizations have actually done as a result of the employee feedback that they've been receiving?
2: So the most common response to that question of, of what are they doing with this data, um, most of the organizations do provide a summary of the results to their um, to their employees. So they have them complete the survey and they share the data with them. Um, other organizations reported taking um, steps beyond that. So changing some of their flexibility options, so you know, being able to work from home or having more flexible hours. Um, other organizations reported some changes in their workplace culture. Um, quite a few, uh, about 66 organizations actually reported that based on their employee feedback, they were able to form specific work groups to address some of the issues that came up in their employee feedback mm-hmm. survey. Um, and some organizations have, have gone so far as to actually make changes in specific policies and procedures as a result of this employee feedback that they've gathered.
1: Excellent. Let's go back for just a minute, circle back to the APEX Group that you were working with to try to help you to frame uh, the questions. And let's Mm -hmm. look specifically at the whole question of what they were concerned about and what they were looking for you to explore in the area of staff retention. Can you talk to us a little Mm -hmm. bit about that and give us some feedback as to what feedback they gave to you during those conversations?
2: Yeah. uh, So a lot of the HR stakeholders brought up the idea of performance management They were curious to know what are other organizations in our strategic action network doing around performance management. Um, There's been um, a lot of talk about updating these practices and protocols lately. People aren't as satisfied with the status quo. Um, so we also asked our participating organizations about that topic. We said, um, "Are you currently updating your performance management practices, um, or are you, or have you updated those performance management practices in the past year?" And almost half of the respondents reported that they are either currently updating or have recently updated their performance management practices in the past year. So. That was an interesting finding for our HR stakeholders to know that you know they're not alone. They are in a shifting landscape that half of their peers are also kind of in the same boat as them. Um, And we we wanted to see, and those HR stakeholders wanted to see what the trends were. What are people Mm -hmm. doing to update their performance management strategies? Um, so we kind of left that open-ended. They, they weren't sure, you know, what options can we provide in a survey? Let's just kind of give an open-ended question. Um, so we were able to look at those open-ended responses and kind of theme them out, uh, and we found about five themes emerging in people's responses to that question. Um, the largest one was that folks are investing in technology. So over a quarter of the respondents' who said that they are updating performance management practices, over a quarter of those respondents reported that they're investing in technology um, or other efficiency updates to um, increase their performance management process or enhance it. Um, The next theme that emerged around performance management was updating the actual metrics, so updating those performance review metrics. Um, so organizations are updating the specific content. For example, um, some have added in sanctuary competencies. That's a big topic of interest in human services. So if, if we're practicing sure. sanctuary models in our direct service, then you know we mm-hmm. should be measuring that in terms of competencies. Um, A lot of our respondents noted that they're able to connect the performance metrics directly to their job descriptions and duties, so kind of customizing the metrics specific to the job. Mm -hmm. Folks mentioned uh, including organizational values in their performance review metrics, um, and people also mentioned getting really specific around the goals that are set in performance review. so making those goals, you know, that SMART acronym, Specific, Measurable, Achievable, Relevant, and Time-bound. Um, and a couple other themes emerged around performance management. Um, almost a quarter of respondents, 23%, re- reported that they are implementing more frequent reviews, so... Organizations are moving away from that annual performance review and providing more frequent and more comprehensive review opportunities, so either quarterly or biannually. Uh, Some mentioned that they have been implementing 90-day reviews for new employees, and Mm -hmm. some also noted shifting to less formal review processes, uh, so just less formal check-ins. And a few organizations also mentioned that they're incorporating 360-degree reviews. Um, And then some of the other trends, a couple other trends that emerged were that in performance management, they are being more intentional about tying raises to performance, um, and also just an overall increased emphasis on professional development as a standard part of their performance management.
1: Fantastic. Well, that's something that we'll get into in the next segment, but for right now, we need to take a short break break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: To business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858 244 8264. That's 858 244 8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovations.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Does your organization lack proper leadership?
2: Your work life balance. In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites.
0: That's Voice America TRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
1: We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and our special guest, Kelly Martin, the Alliance Project Manager and Data Analyst for the 2017 U.S. Human Services Workforce Trends and Compensation Study. In the last segment, Kelly was sharing results from the study on the current recruitment and hiring practices, current retention plans, and effort to seek employee feedback. Kelly, what did the study find regarding the current efforts in our field around leadership development and succession planning?
2: Yeah, so we asked a couple questions about what our organizations currently doing in this area. Um, we asked our two hundred and one participating organizations in the study, uh, "Are you currently utilizing leadership development strategies? Kind of just in a general way." Um, and 47.3% of respondents reported that yes, their organization is currently utilizing leadership development strategies. So that means half half of our participating organizations are not currently thinking about leadership development strategies. Um, we also asked if participating organizations are currently using board-approved leadership succession plans. Um, and even mm-hmm. fewer organizations reported that they're currently using those, so 21.9% of organizations report that they do have board-approved leadership succession plans.
1: Well, that shows that we have an area where there's a lot of work to do in our field, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely, yeah. That was kind of a surprising finding to us that... Um, you know, we assumed we'd see a lower number on the board approved leadership succession plans. That was not as surprising, but the fact that over half of participating organizations do not currently have any sort of leadership development strategy in place, um, that was definitely a key finding for us.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, what did the study find regarding the current efforts in our field around wellness and flexibility offering?
2: So, yeah, as we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, we know that Compensation is not everything. Leadership development is crucial. Wellness and flexibility offerings really influence recruitment and retention. Um, and we found that well over half of participating organizations do offer wellness benefits, so about 57%. And we asked those 57% of those participants, what are you offering? Um, so I can kind of list out some of the topics that rose to the top. Um Fifty-four organizations reported that their organization offers company-wide challenges that focus on monas, kind of give a, a competitive spirit to a wellness activity. Um, next, in terms of what was the most um, popular wellness offering, was discounted or free gym membership rates. It's another area mm-hmm. to think about in terms of recruiting and retaining top talent is, is making sure that they're exercising and giving them that discount. Um, Some organizations even reported that they have on-site gym equipment and or wellness classes on-site. So 41 organizations reported that. Um, Some noted that they have exercise and weight loss programming um, or diet and healthy eating programming. Um, A few other organizations reported they have stress management programming. Um, And then, finally, uh, about 26 organizations reported that they offer discounts on insurance depending on, you know, participation in in wellness activities.
1: Sure. Excellent. What did the study find regarding the current goals in recruitment and retention?
2: Yeah, so we asked kind of an open-ended way, what are your top goals in recruitment and retention? Um, And... Far and away, the biggest theme that emerged was just retention in general. And I'll read some of the quotes that we got that kind of highlight this theme. Um, 42% of our participating organizations um, noted that retention overall is is their number one goal. Um, People said, keep people, reduce turnover, retain top talent. Um, The revolving door is costing our organization way too much money. Uh, We want to keep therapists after they receive their licensure. We want to bring first-year turnover down, uh, reduce turnover in our direct care positions. I'm sure that those quotes resonate with folks who might be listening. Um, Sometimes those direct quotes from participants in surveys. (laughs) Oh yeah, they Mm -hmm. they resonate. Um, So that was the biggest goal that emerged. Um, Next goal um, was hiring goals in general. So. 42 of our participating organizations said that hiring goals is is their top goal, um, about 39%. So they want to, um, again, I'll read some quotes here. They want to attract qualified candidates. Um, Community hiring, which kind of leads back to the conversation we were having earlier about reaching out to their client population. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to fill open positions. We want to find candidates that best match the culture. We want to hire the right people. Um, a few people noted specific uh, positions that they're interested in, in meeting their hiring goals, so recruitment of residential youth workers specifically. Um, mm-hmm. And just getting a big enough pool of applicants is also a topic that came up. Um, a few of, of the other themes that emerged in terms of top goals Um a few folks recommended that they want to increase salaries and benefits, so they want to um, increase the base rate of pay for direct care and clinical staff, increase salaries and benefits, um, particularly health insurance, keep that uh, at a competitive level, and they want their salaries to be competitive. Something that we hear is, you know, human service nonprofits have to compete with healthcare, care, so they want their salaries to be competitive there. Um, Another theme that emerged when we asked about what are your top goals in recruitment and retention um, speaks to the topic we were just talking about, so training and leadership development. So about 14% of organizations noted that this is their top goal in terms of recruitment and retention. They want to be able to create a clear development plan for employees, provide strong individual training and development opportunities. Um, and they want to make sure that employees are equipped with the knowledge and tools they need to do their job before they are expected to carry the full caseload, so making sure that their staff are set up for success. Excellent. And then a few, of, a few I- of the other themes um, came up, workplace culture, um, systems and policy goals, uh, and advancing equity were some of the other themes that emerged around top recruitment and retention goals.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, everybody's interested in turnover, Mm -hmm. and of course, retention is a topic that is intertwined with turnover, but turnover has been a discussion topic all on its own. What did the study find are some of the top reasons for turnover?
2: So the the biggest reason for turnover that we found um, was kind of a, a nod to the generational shift in the workforce that we're seeing right now, so retirement. Being the top reason for turnover at the executive level, um, mm-hmm. and then of course those reasons shift depending on which which uh, level of the organization you're looking at. So with executives, the top reason was retirement. Um, with VP and director-level staff. Um, Retirement was also up there in terms of being a a reason for turnover, Um, but involuntary separation was also a top reason for turnover, which was kind of a surprising finding for us. Um, And in terms of management-level positions, um, the top reason for turnover was family or personal reasons. Um, and also involuntary separation and promotion within the sector. So kind of a varied, uh, uh, a variety of reasons for management-level turnover. Uh, when we look at some of the other staffing levels um, in terms of you know, professional staff, um, direct service, um, that's where we see a lot more variation as well. So family and personal reasons, um, involuntary separation, promotions, Um, a lateral move within the sector or maybe a lateral move outside of the sector. Um, And people also have listed um, a need for less demanding workload. Um, That was one of the biggest reasons in terms of direct service staff. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finally, the support staff category, we also asked, What are some of the most important reasons for turnover? And again, we saw the same reasons coming to the top. So family or personal reasons, um, involuntary separation, and some moves outside of the sector.
1: Well, Kelly, if, if I was asking you to come and make a brief presentation to a group of HR folks, specifically around what they can do to reduce turnover, Can you give us just a a couple minutes of uh, what it is you would say to that group uh, as a result of the data that you've gathered from this study?
2: Yeah. So coming from our evaluation and research services department, I'm always kind of thinking, um, you know, evaluation-wise, what can we do? What can what data can we collect to inform these decisions to improve our turnover rates? And I would really say that it is unique to each organization, and I would encourage organizations to be mindful about um, exit interviews, about check-ins with employees in those one-on-one meetings or your annual reviews, and really treat that data as your inspiration for for what you might be able to do better. Um, So collecting data from managers and supervisors, what are your staff saying in your one-on-one meetings, in your performance reviews? Let's be intentional about tracking those themes that are coming up. And if we're noticing trends, we're noticing issues that come up again and again, that, that's our cue there. What can we focus on? What changes can we make? Um, and exit interviews as well. We, we know that turnover is a problem. Um, and while we're having this high rate of turnover, that's an opportunity for us to, to take all those folks who are walking away from positions or leaving positions and get to know why. You know, really take the time to say we want to improve. Uh, we're asking you for your honest feedback. Um, you can provide that anonymously. I know some folks mentioned that they conduct their exit interviews anonymously through online surveys or through an outside organization or a contractor. Um, so taking, taking the opportunity to really collect some data around um, what's going on with staff and, and making your decisions from there.
1: Outstanding. Let's take a break here, short break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House association of san diego california funds raised go to support the neighborhood house association's mission developing children families and future leaders of our communities through empowerment education and wellness The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America
2: Business. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used
0: to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor
2: may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and our special guest, Kelly Martin, the Alliance Project Manager and Data Analyst for the 2017 U.S. Human Services Workforce Trends and Compensation Study. In the last segment, Kelly was reviewing the results on leadership development and succession planning, wellness and flexibility offerings, and turnover. In this third segment, we turn to our guest panelist, Andre
3: Howard, to ask Kelly a few questions. Andre, it's all yours. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. I have been enjoying this discussion, great conversation, and um, glad that my colleague, uh, Kelly uh, Martin, is uh, participating uh, in our afternoon's um, radio talk show. So uh, it's a great pleasure to work with her, too, um, colleague here in the Milwaukee Operations Office. So just a pleasure to have her. On the show this afternoon. So, Kelly, I wanted to kind of focus a bit on some of the results related to the advancing equity pieces Um, and just start out generically asking you um, what demographic information were organizations able to share about the top executives, their board members, and staff overall?
2: Yeah, so a great way to open this conversation, Andre. We, we realized as we were developing this survey with the HR stakeholders in our network that uh, we really can't just dive in and ask for the data first. We first have to get a better sense of what data do our organizations have. What are they tracking? What are they able to share with us? Um, And as you might imagine, um, what they were able to share kind of varies greatly depending on what specific data points we were interested in um, and who we were collecting that data about. Um, So we asked kind of the full gamut of are you able to provide age data, gender, racial ethnic identity, sexual orientation, disability status military and veteran status, immigrant status, and uh, languages spoken other than English. For all those different demographic variables, we asked if they're able to provide that um, at a few different levels. Are you able to provide that demographic data for your top executive? Are you able to provide that data for your board members? And are you able to provide that data for your staff? Uh, the biggest takeaway that I would say, um, was that we do not have a lot of information on board members. So, um, our participating organizations were not able to respond demographic data around their board members at very high rates at all. Um, the highest rate that we got in terms of board members, 47% were able to report the gender identity of the board members for their organization, um, and 46% were able to report the racial and ethnic identity. Um, but yeah, oh, none, none of those demographic data points were able to be reported over the 50% level for board members. So that was an interesting finding for us. Um, the numbers are a little better, of course, in terms of top executives and staff. Um, we had really high numbers in terms of top executive uh, demographic data. Organizations were able to report um, the age, gender identity, and racial ethnic identity at very high rates for the top executives in the high 90%. Um, that drops off a little bit in terms of some of the other demographic data that is um, a little bit more sensitive information or um, some information that's more often reported or uh, as at the individual level self-reported. So things like sexual orientation, identity, disability status, immigrant status, and languages spoken other than English. Um, in terms of staff, um, we had pretty high numbers for um, age and for racial and ethnic identity, about 80% for, for both um, age and racial ethnic identity. About 80% of our organizations were able to provide that information for staff. Um, only 70% of participating organizations were able to report information about their staff's gender identity. Um, and we always do include the caveat that, again, these demographic data points are best reported from the individuals themselves, Um, so that's often a reason why we aren't able to collect that information in surveys like this because we are reaching out to HR stakeholders at individual organizations to participate in this survey, so they might not always be in a position to have that data or be able to report it on behalf of their staff, their top executives, and their board members.
3: Wow. So in terms of, you know, I I typically will get the question back when I start to ask folks to identify themselves in terms of race or age, sexual orientation. I get a little pushback in terms of, well, why do you need to know that information? Um, Can can you talk a little bit more about how open or how not so open folks were in terms of sharing this information? And why do you consider this to be important information? Uh, to collect and to really uh, start to track, uh, particularly in our sector?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, one of the most important topics that we focused on around this area of conversation is um, measuring the degree to which staff represent clients served. Um, and we know that that is, is a key topic in terms of advancing equity um, being able to meet your direct service provision goals uh, we know is is significantly increased when your staff represent the client serves when they're able to truly connect over similar lived experiences. Um, so that was an area that we really honed in on in terms of demographic data. We asked um, the participating organizations in the survey to tell us about their human resources talent metrics in terms of are you capturing demographic information about your staff? And if you are how are you using that? Um, Are you using that to measure the degree to which your staff represent your clients served? Um, Are you using that data to measure the degree to which your clients are... I'm sorry, measuring the degree to which represents clients served and using that in terms of recruiting efforts? Are you saying here's the data that we have about our staff. We know it doesn't match up with the clientele that we're serving. Can we use this gap to help us identify some of our recruitment goals? So some of the data points around around this topic, um, nearly 80% of participating organizations report that they do capture demographic information about their staff. And then when we break that down, um, about 33%, about a third of participating organizations report that yes, we do capture demographic information about our staff, um, but not the degree to which that represents clients served. Um, About 11% reported that, yes, we do measure the degree to which our staff represents clients served. And then about a third reported that, yes, we measure the degree to which staff represent clients served, and we do use this information in recruiting efforts. So I think that we would like to see that number increase from a third to, to a much higher number, that, that they're not only collecting that data, but they're using it to inform their recruitment efforts.
3: Sure, absolutely. Very important. So, yeah, so keeping our eyes certainly on those numbers are important.
2: Uh, in terms of, you talked a little
3: bit about capturing some data around uh, women uh, and persons of color in the executive positions. Um, can you speak to where women stand uh, in terms of executive positions? I know, you know, um, th- there seems to be some equalizing at that level, but I think um, the pay inequity probably is a much more uh, accentuated point there. But what, did your survey find out anything that uh, uh, was an aha for women who are in executive roles? <laughs>
2: So, we saw a pretty close uh, call in terms of, you know, are there more females or or males in top executive positions, Um, 44% of the top executive positions um, in the organizations that participated in our study are occupied by females. Um and about fifty three percent are occupied by males. Um a few organizations preferred not to answer or were not able to answer that um gender identity question. So uh we, we see almost almost an even split but with um a little bit more uh um, males occupying that top executive position.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah and we, yeah, and we know. also
2: know that oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
3: Um
2: I was just going to share uh, some of the other information that we have about our top executives. Um, Over 70% of top executives are baby boomers, so that's uh, an important finding to keep in mind. Again, as we think back to our conversations about leadership development and succession planning, we know that 70% of our top executives are baby boomers and reaching that retirement age quickly. Um, And we also know that less than 18% of top executives are non-white, so uh, 82.7% of our top executives are white or European origin.
3: Yeah, so certainly, obviously, you know, we still have some work to do in that, in that arena, um, obviously. And, and, you, and you bring up an interesting point about the, the generational differences. Where, where are millennials at in, in, in terms of this study? Um, you know, we always talk about Generation X. Xers are kind of in the middle, so sometimes they get missed passed on for opportunities to take on executive roles, but are millennials um, showing an increase of sorts in taking over uh, some of these executive level positions or uh, is it just about where, where it's been in, in past?
2: Um, only 1% of top executives are, are categorized as millennials, so there's lots of room for growth there. Um, we do not have a specific breakdown of millennials in terms of actual staff workforce, um, but we we do have a little bit of information around um, millennials serving on boards. So it's another area where the younger generation can have an impact and influence on an agency. Um, we're, we're seeing lower numbers, of course, in terms of millennial representation on boards, but we, we do see that as board sizes grow, so for boards that are larger than 30 members, um, we are seeing some more representation of millennials on those larger boards. So
1: yeah, if we could so just pause for a second here. We need to take a short break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House. Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters.
1: We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and our special guest, Kelly Martin. The Alliance Project Manager and Data Analyst for the 2017 U.S. Human Services Workforce Trends and Compensation Study. In the last segment, Andre and Kelly were discussing issues related to advancing equity that appeared in the study. Kelly, uh, in this last segment, we usually like to turn to our special guests and ask them to offer some advice to leaders and practitioners in the field. So, Kelly, what advice can you offer to leaders in the human service field that you derive specifically from the results of the 2017 U.S. Human Services Workforce Study?
2: Great question, Tom. So I think um, the place where I would recommend folks can begin is really at that simple baseline level that we've been talking about kind of at the outset of some of these segments. Um, So ask yourself the question, do we have a recruitment plan at our agency? Do we have a retention plan? Do we have a leadership development plan or succession plan? And that is a great place to start. If you don't have those things to begin with, um, I think just taking the time to talk with your leadership team about what would that plan look like? Even if you're, you're dreaming big, even if you're, you don't have the budget to work with, starting to get some of those goals down in writing and thinking about what can we do with, with a little to no budget, um, which is a finding that we, we found from some of our organizations. They are able to implement informal things in terms of recruitment and retention strategies with little to no budget. Um, getting some of those goals down in writing in a formal plan even if it's a couple pages at first, something simple, something to begin with, um, is is a first step that I would recommend. Um, And getting feedback from your staff as part of that process, being vulnerable, being open, reaching out to staff and saying, you know, we found that we we don't have X, Y, and Z in place. We we are looking to um, other organizations in our field that do have those things. And we're also looking to you all. What What would encourage you um, to to stay at this organization? What should we be including in our recruitment and retention and leadership development plans? So including your staff and and getting kind of a a quick start on something as simple as a couple-page plan outline.
1: Good, good. Were there any surprises that you found in the results from the 2017 Human Service Workforce Study?
2: Um, Yeah, we had a few surprises. Um, One thing that I I found surprising was um, the fact that for the organizations that are not taking steps to advance equity in terms of their hiring protocols and practices um, and, you know, just organizational culture in general, we asked those organizations that, that aren't thinking about advancing equity, we said, uh, you know, is this hindering your organization's progress towards its goals, the fact that you are not thinking about how to advance equity? Uh, and a large majority of those organizations reported no. They don't believe that their, that their lack of focus on advancing equity is having a negative impact on their organization's goals. Um, And and this is something that um, maybe they're just not as aware of or they're not thinking about as much, but we do know the research shows us that organizations that are focused on advancing equity have better outcomes. So we, we would like to convey that there's, there's lots of ways that your organization can focus on advancing equity. Um, we kind of break it down at four levels. So you can focus on advancing equity at the staff or the individual level um, so staff trainings or learning opportunities around historical trauma, refugee or immigrant experiences, white privilege, things like that. That's that's kind of the base level, staff or individual level. You can also focus on advancing equity at the programmatic service or client level. Um, so cultural humility or culturally relevant practices. Uh, you can also advance equity at your organizational level, so equitable hiring practices, prioritizing minority-owned businesses and vendors and suppliers, um, other company-wide policies or initiatives. Um, and you can also focus on advancing equity at the policy level, so local, state, or federal policy or advocacy work.
1: Excellent. Excellent. The whole idea of advancing equity is really just emerging uh, in terms of our understanding of its absolute importance if we want to be successful, if we want to be effective uh, Mm -hmm. in the field. So uh, I thank you for highlighting that and focusing on that. Mm -hmm. If you were to be picking just one thing that you want to leave uh, our listeners with today, just one concept that they would put in their pocket and think about later, what would that one idea be, Kelly? Kelly?
2: It's a good question. Um, I think a, a topic that's come up a lot recently with with this study and another work in our field is the topic of empathy and mm-hmm. how can we weave empathy into everything we're doing? How can we focus on the end user's experience, whether that end user be the clients we are serving, or in this case, when we're talking about workforce trends, um, having empathy and getting a better understanding of your staff's experience. Um, so whether that be, um, as we talked about, some of those performance management strategies, how can we weave more empathy into that experience? How can we get a better sense of what matters to our employees in terms of professional development? in terms of what um, wellness and flexibility or retention re- offerings matter the most to them. Um, taking, taking the time to, to build empathy for our, our workforce is, I think, a, a crucial first step in, in any sort of workforce trends undertaking.
1: Fantastic. Great, great advice. Now, before we conclude, though, I have to ask you one more time. How can our listeners gain access to the 2017 U.S. Human Services Workforce Trends and Compensation Study?
2: Great question. I'm glad you asked. So, again, folks can go to our website, uh, Alliance1, that's the number one, Dot org, um, And you'll see that we have a tab that says resources. So clicking on that resources tab, you will see the compensation study. And again, you'll find more information about what specifically is included in the compensation and workforce trends study. Uh, we've talked typically today about the workforce trends themselves, but you'll also be able to see um, the compensation study contents, what positions are covered, and, and how do we break out that compensation data.
1: Fantastic. Well, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Our thanks to Andre Howard and our special guest, Kelly Martin. Please join us again next time when we'll offer another episode of Leadership Matters.
0: Thank you again for tuning in.